Day by day my life gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece in pieces, bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life Good afternoon. This is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Trish and Evie's Focus on the Facts. My co-host is Patricia Negron. I want to remind our listeners that Trish also does a live broadcast every day at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the VK platform. And people should tune in every day to get the latest updates on the news from Trish. Today, we will discuss the horrifying tactics being used to push toxic vaccines on the entire country, with forced mandatory vaccination being promoted across the United States. On Saturday, the Children's Health Defense held the Harlem Vaccine Forum with top vaccine experts, including Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Dr. Gary Nell, Dr. Phil Valentine, and many other prominent speakers. This forum was to provide a way to discuss pressing issues in New York State's decision to re- Appeal the religious exemption to vaccination. They warned that compulsory vaccinations raises critical human rights issues, including rights to practice religion freely, parental rights, informed consent, and the right to education and the right to health. Trish explained that there were problems with this forum, but I could not find anything about this situation this morning, and we are taping the show early today, so hopefully Trish can explain what took place at that forum. On October 18th, there was also good news on the vaccine awareness front when it was reported that the November 6, 2019 release of Vax 2, The People's Truth, the highly anticipated sequel to the documentary Vax, from cover-up to catastrophe, that catapulted to the notoriety after being pulled from the 2016 Tribeca Film Festival. On November 6, Vax 2 will premiere in over 50 locations, several of which have already been sold out in advance of their public announcement. Hundreds of more screenings are slated to occur when the VAX bus hits the road on November 7th on a three-week tour from Texas to Washington, D.C. On June 6th, we got the horrible news from Vaccine Impact, which reported that a new Department of Justice report showed that so far this year, the government has paid out over $160 million for vaccine injuries and deaths in 2019. That money comes from American taxpayers and not the vaccine makers because vaccine makers were granted immunity from lawsuits for vaccine injuries in 1986. Next, we will continue to cover the takedown of the global child sex trafficking networks with the latest developments in the child sex trafficking scandals of Jeffrey Epstein and all the elite pedophiles who have been involved with him and his child sex trafficking rings. The hottest topics in the Epstein scandal right now is that a judge denied a motion by Alan Dershowitz to dismiss the defamation lawsuit brought against him by Virginia Roberts Guffrey. Following the court's ruling, Virginia issued a statement saying, I am grateful for the court's decision to deny Dershowitz's shameful attempt to dismiss my defamation case against him. I will no longer be silenced. I will no longer be shamed. I will see Alan Dershowitz in a court of law. In her lawsuit, Virginia claims that Dershowitz knew about and participated in a sex trafficking operation involving underage girls that was run by Epstein and Gisling Maxwell, and that she was forced to have sex with Dershowitz and other prominent wealthy men while she was underage. Dershowitz has repeatedly denied Virginia's claim, saying he had never met her, and he has accused her of being a serial perjurer, a serial liar, and a serial prostitute in interviews with various news media. 
the victim's attorney, Paul Castle, has said in the press conference that there are at least 24 girls that Dershowitz may have sexually abused. Another woman, Sarah Ransom, also submitted an affidavit with Virginia's lawsuit with details about sex that she claimed she had with Dershowitz. Sarah claims that she was also lent out by Epstein to his friends for sex, including Dershowitz. She also alleges that she had a three-way sexual encounter with Dershowitz and Nadia Martinova, a young adult who also worked for Epstein. I recall specific key details of this person and the sex acts and can describe them in the event it becomes necessary to do so, Sarah said in the affidavit. In April 2019, a new victim, Maria Farmer, went public in the Epstein case and filed a sworn affidavit in a federal court in New York saying she was sexually assaulted and that her 15-year-old sister was also molested by Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell in 1996. Farmer said she reported her assault to New York police and the FBI in 1996, but the FBI did not take any action. To my knowledge, I was the first person to report Maxwell and Epstein to the FBI, she said. Farmer said she finally came forward with her affidavit that support Virginia in hopes that Epstein and Maxwell would be prosecuted. Her affidavit is just one of 15 exhibits attached to the defamation complaint filed against by Virginia against Dershowitz. Farmer was employed by Epstein and says she frequently saw school-age girls wearing school uniforms come into Epstein's New York mansion and go upstairs. She was told these girls were auditioning for modeling work. Dershowitz has always claimed that he never saw any underage girls when he visited Epstein at his various homes in Palm Beach, New Mexico, and New York. But Farmer claims that one of her duties while working for Epstein was to staff the front door to his New York mansion and to keep track of visitors. In her affidavit, Farmer says that on a number of occasions, I witnessed Dershowitz at the New York mansion go upstairs at the same time there were young girls under the age of 18 who were present upstairs in the house. And she claimed that Dershowitz was so comfortable at Epstein's mansion that he would just walk in and go directly upstairs where the underage girls were present. Virginia's lawsuit also points to at least one other witness, Epstein's former Palm Beach house manager, Alfredo Rodriguez, who also alleged that he saw Dershowitz in the presence of young girls at Epstein's mansion in Florida. In addition to Dershowitz, some of the famous and prominent people who Virginia claims Epstein forced her to have sex with include Prince Andrew, former senator and Disney chairman George Mitchell, MIT professor Marvin Mitsky, Highbridge Capital co-founder Glenn Dubin, a former New York governor and presidential candidate Bill Richardson, Hyatt Hotel magnate Tom Pritzker, and model agent Jean-Luc Brunel. Great news came out on October 8th when a New York woman, Jennifer Arroez, who said Epstein began grooming her for sex when she was 14 and later raped her, expanded her lawsuit against his estate, naming several women who enabled Epstein's abuses and seeking to block the estate from shielding his assets from victims. In her amended complaint, Jennifer accused four women by name who once worked with Epstein of misconduct. The four women include Gisley Maxwell, Leslie Groff, the former secretary of Epstein's, Kimberly Espinoza, a former executive assistant, and Rosalind Fontanella, a former maid who died in October of 2016. All but Fontanella are named as defendants. Jennifer accused the defendants of conspiring to identify and procure a steady stream of underage girls for Epstein to sexually abuse. The defendants participated with and assisted Epstein in maintaining and protecting his sex trafficking ring, ensuring that approximately three girls a day were made available to him for a sexual presence, the amended complaint said. 
Jennifer was the first person to sue Epstein's estate under the New York Child Victims Act, which gave accusers a one-year window to sue over sexual abuse when they were underage, regardless of when the abuse occurred. At least five other lawsuits have been filed against Epstein's estate as well. So I'll bring Trish on now to start the show by first discussing what took place at that Harlem vaccine forum this weekend, and then we'll get on to the Epstein scandal. Welcome to the show, Trish. Hi, um, hi there. Good for me to be back. <laughs> yes, it's good to have you back. I'm, it's, I love getting your updates because you do such a great job of staying on top of the Jeffrey Epstein case. And that's something we all need to know about. It really is at the heart of everything that's wrong in our world today. You know, it's behind all the wars and everything else. It's used as a policy-making bludgeon um, to get the, this horrible, um, these you know, slaughters of people and the vaccines and all of that. So, um, yep. but on the Robert F. Kennedy. Uh, junior presentation, there's on a YouTube channel by the name of Erin Elizabeth, E-R-I-N, and uh, it's Erin Elizabeth at Health Nut News. Um, she recorded about the first 21 minutes of the presentation, and up until the very end, um, the last minute or so is where he, his mic gets cut off, and then uh, some woman comes up um, a few moments later and explains that the uh, presentation was being um, stopped and that it was because they were over capacity. But everyone had been there for 20 minutes and there was, it was clearly not over capacity. And um, it just so happens, I, I really strongly recommend everyone watch that it's only 20 minutes but he names names like he is giving all the details of the people specifically who he met with the conversations they had about the dangers of um, vaccines and these adjuvants like you know um, mercury which it was later found and these pharmaceutical companies knew was being stored in the brain. They kept claiming it was safe because it was eliminated from the blood so quickly. But what they didn't tell anybody is that it collected in the brains of these babies and it, it lingers there for as long as 27 years. Oh, my God. And he, he now went we're talking about Robert F. Kennedy. Cut him off. Robert F. Kennedy, when he was talking, right? That's yes, this was in the middle. He was he had gone for two or three minutes, and he he told his story about um, how he got into um, this universe because he said, you know, his thing was mercury, but it was in the food and the water systems and things like that. He really he said that the whole vaccine injury um, issue was not something he had ever really focused on and wasn't necessarily interested in because he knew nothing of it really and so there was a mother who was like she cornered him one day and it's like I'm not leaving until you look at this material because you need to understand this and wow. so he, he, yeah no thank god for these mothers How, oh yes know, yes where would we be my god 
so he looked at the material and he, he explained, you know, I, I come from a prominent family. I have access to these people. And I started asking questions. And he named the people who were sitting officials, people in charge of these um, safety questions who deliberately deceived him. And he could prove it. And he laid it all out. He named them. He told their exact conversations and how, you know, they acknowledged the, the dangers of these vaccines and they knew about it. And then they covered it up. And they're, they, you know, how many deaths? He, he said, you know, these pharmaceutical companies are known serial killers. How many I, times have they killed the public with these uh, prescriptions that they knew were dangerous? Yet they Absolutely. were making far too much money on, and they lived literally justified by saying that they would make more in revenues than they would have to pay out in lawsuits. So the cost-benefit analysis served them. And, and so, you know, it has been proven again and again that these companies have been responsible. There are four of them for, you know, the vast majority of tens of thousands of deaths. Tens of thousands. And and that's just from opioids, for example. I mean, each of these issues you're talking about, you know, and then the hundreds of thousands injured. Gardasil alone, I think the injuries were already 60,000 by, you know, 2016. These are permanent injuries. These aren't fevers and rashes. These are permanent paralysis, sterilization, I mean, ghastly injuries that these vaccines are causing and the pharmaceutical companies know it. Yep. They know it. They cut and, this is what... and this audience demand, you know, the audience would not accept that. And um, so they asked him to, to go outside of the venue and continue. Um, so uh, the, it was, you know, uh, hold on one second. Oh, sure. sorry. Can you hear me, Evelyn? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Okay, sorry, I was getting another call. So um, they went the the video that is on this website, Aaron Elizabeth at HealthNet News, um, right. and it says breaking Robert F Kennedy Jr.'s mic cut in the middle of his speech in Harlem. And you know, in these um, cities, there there's you know a much higher incidence of the injuries because. Um, you, those those populations are more vulnerable for a whole lot of reasons because you know when supposedly thimerosal was um, banned in vaccines, but then what they were doing was shipping all the th- the remaining inventory that they had because they weren't going to just destroy all those vaccines, mind you, that were right. dangerous to children. They funneled them to the free clinics and other services for the poor who were at the, you know, they're being told they have to get these and they're at the mercy of um, the pharmaceutical companies. And and this is that they're trying to pass mandatory legislation. I mean, it's just shocking beyond belief. It's truly a horror show. Well, it's just genocide in plain sight, but they're pulling with this. It really is. It's eugenics. It is eugenics. Yes, yes. And, you know, you bring up, you know, you bring up the moms, you know, contacted um, Robert F. Kennedy. You know, that's how I got involved in reporting on vaccines. Back in 2004, I, uh, 2004, um, I, got, I got calls. I called them from the autism moms. 
and they contacted me because I was writing about the drug companies and all the horror that they are doing, and um, they wanted me to look at autism and vaccines, you know. And and I had a full time job at the time, and I was just doing reporting at night on my own, you know. And um, I told them that that I I really didn't have the time to investigate this. I had never heard of autism. The only autism I ever heard of was in Rain Man, you know. And and so right. I was I was thinking it would take me so long to investigate something like this because I'd never investigated vaccines and I never didn't know anything about autism and everything, you know. But then I'm going along and, and you know, I'm thinking about the different things they told me and they, they told me there was an epidemic of autism, you know, occurring and all this. And things that they said, you know, just kind of kept jumping in my mind, you know. And, and um, so then I thought, well, I'll just do a little Google search, you know, and, and see if there's anything to this, you know. And it didn't take me long at all to figure out that they were right. I mean, I, I finally investigated and I, I think I wrote to uh, over a dozen articles in the next few years on this autism epidemic and how I how I found out that they were right was I went to um, the Department of Education and looked up how many um, autistic kids were were showing up in schools from country to country you know I mean from state to state and then I went to the different states and I looked at their their uh, data from you know their their education schools how many kids were showing up with autism and I seen it that it was occurring, and this is back in two thousand, late two thousand four, and so I reported on it then. You know, and the, and the fact was, I wrote all those articles. I had to research and publish all those articles and put them out for free because nobody would publish them. Nobody would. I believe you know, it. So the I gave them all the out for free, you know, to get the word out. And um, yeah. then it was it was just a short time after that that Bobby Kennedy came out um, and put out a big report on this, you know, on the autism and the in the vaccines with the mercury in them and stuff and so those those moms you know that they they come out and they get us and and we try to put the word out but here it is uh 2019 and i started yeah. reporting this in 2004 and i've had to sit here and watch this epidemic just go on full blast and nothing gets yeah. about it i mean oh, it's we're just barely, i mean barreling toward mandatory vaccines for everyone adults and yes. children and they're not going to let people travel. Uh, um, yeah. They're they're going to use it to restrict people's movements. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's really it, it's it's deeply disturbing. And well, did you um, say that they're passing passing laws in Congress now for mandatory vaccines for all of us for all adults? Yes, yes, adults too. Yeah. Yes. And this is so insane. I mean, we've talked about this so many times. That damn measles is nothing. Is nothing. Me and my sisters it's, all had measles, and it was nothing. It's just like that Brady Bunch show that they kid for tried to bury for quite a while when all the Brady Bunch kids got measles, and they had a ball because they were just off right. of school. Well, that's yep. the same with me and my sisters. I don't even remember any of us being upstairs in bed or nothing. None of us went to the doctor or anything. Yeah, We were just no. off school. You know, yeah. it was nothing to it. But, you know, they're using right. these measles to to push this mandatory vaccine BS on everybody, and it's so bizarre because measles is not a bad disease, and once you get it, then you then you have total immunity for the rest of your life. Yep, from measles and a more robust immune system. Well, uh, yeah, and we're talking about yeah, and the, and the important thing is here the cost benefit analysis here is a shot that may prevent a rash, may 
but has yeah. been shown by that U.S. Navy quarantine, remember, just this year. For four months, they sat out at sea because everyone kept getting infected, despite the fact that they were continuing to administer booster shots. Everyone got sick. And then it comes out that you actually shed that virus for months after being yeah. vaccinated, so it makes you contagious. And so you're walking yeah. around as a totally believing you're totally healthy and normal, spreading disease, where if you develop the disease as a child, you stay home and you're not contaminating the rest of the world. The other thing is that you're talking about permanent injuries and death as a possibility in order to avoid a freaking rash. Right, right. Because when is the last time that a person died of measles in this country? Well, yes, and meanwhile, you were talking about these whistleblower moms. There is a CDC official whistleblower, William Thompson, who submitted 30,000 pages of documents showing that this particular MMR vaccine was causing autism. And Congress did nothing for 10 years. And he was working at the CDC, and they buried that data. Yeah. Yes, this and guess where the head of the, the woman who was head of the CDC at the time and and demanded he alter his own data to cover up the the link went on yeah. to work for one of the big pharma companies. She's sure. there now. Yep, the head of the it's CDC. She went over. Can you think of her name? Because I can't think of her name right offhand. But yeah, she went. Christine, the, the, I think, is it Christine something or other? I, I can't re- recall, um, but I don't know. But she was she was the one that pushed through the Gardasil approval this broad, and then she went to work at 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 Mer- it was Merck, I think, and they had a vaccine department when she left. When the well, it was when uh, when the new president, I think, when Obama came in, and she wasn't it that she went and left and and um, went to work for Merck as a vaccine I, I, head of the vaccine of division. The- and Gardasil, talk about Gardasil. You yeah. Not only we're seeing, you know, this overwhelming push to vaccinate infants with this shit, and yet, though it's supposed to prevent cancers, the specific uh, cervical cancer, uh, cancer cervical cancers are up. Yeah. Despite it, wide years of widespread vaccination, and sure. yet, and in addition. We see, we've had, I know of the last reports I saw were that there were 300 sudden deaths reported directly associated with Gardasil and 30, no, 60,000 injuries. Yeah, yeah. And they just keep going. Yep. And the, now, yeah, now they're going to give it to little children. And, I, and I think I see a headline that they're going to give it to elderly people. Now, what is the sense of this? And in the first place, when they came out with that Gardasil, I said, I had never heard of a, a teenage girl having cervical cancer in my life. Yeah. That it didn't even exist. Yeah. I mean, how they pushed this through and are getting away with it. And like now, when we're showing all from this one vaccine, so many are being injured and paralyzed and killed, and they keep pushing it up. Give it to more. India banned more it. Remember, India stopped the program because it was sterilizing and killing and injuring the girls in yeah. India. 
they could see the association. They didn't need, you know, a, a corrupted pharmaceutical rep to tell them that it, it, ha- it wasn't vaccines. We just have the CDC just admitted in the Philippines there's a polio outbreak. Well, the yeah. polio outbreak has been traced back to the fucking vaccine. I know it. I know it. This is, and then, and then I heard too that uh, the vaccines now that they're pushing cancer in the vaccines. Yes, in different ways. There's like 500. <sighs> there's they're taking, you know, human fetal tissue from aborted fetuses, the full DNA, and they they this has been um, scientifically verified that 560 genes had been deliberately engineered to be cancerous in this particular vaccine. Yeah. They they showed the two different they showed the healthy DNA versus the the engineered DNA and you know you could see it. And this is being this is in addition, remember there's also the whistleblower from the National Cancer Institute who's a scientist and discovered that retrovirus in the polio vaccine, I think it was, um, yeah. that she, she, she's a specialist in retroviruses. She knew what she was looking for, <laughs> and she found yeah. it. And she, when she tried to um, report this, she, they tried to get her to recant her, um, her research, and she refused. They left her alone initially, but then another doctor um, in Europe somewhere, I believe, published his own research that confirmed her research. And it was at that point they fucking arrested her. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. This is what they do. So yes, all the whistleblowers. Only the whistleblowers and journalists are the ones in prison. Them. Yeah. This is so outrageous, yeah. man, what's happening in this country. and this And this is why. You know, we talked about so many times. This is why we have the children with the worst health, the, the sickest children. Yes. And I'll, I'll say it's two or three generations now because they started up, up in the vaccines. And I think it was 1989 when they started with that hepatitis B at birth for, for babies yeah. at birth. And this was so insane to begin with because you only catch that hepatitis B from sharing needles with a drug addict or anal sex. Right. That, and they're giving it to them, demanding they give it to them at birth. Well, we have the highest, we have such a high um, newborn death rate the first 24 hours. It is more than all other OECD countries combined. Yep. And we have the highest priced health care in the world. And And we have the highest rate of vaccine. Yeah, Japan doesn't give their children any vaccines before age two. And they have the lowest infant mortality rate. Right, right. I mean, this has become so obvious that killing our babies off in the first year of birth, well, what do they think is happening to these babies? Why are they dying? Well, they're also now giving vaccines to pregnant women. So they're infecting these fetuses while they're in the womb. And they did the same thing with those psych drugs. Got all these pregnant women to take uh, these SSRI antidepressants. You know, infecting these babies in the womb. You know, I don't know how how dumb mothers are nowadays that they will do this, take vaccines and take drugs and everything while they're pregnant 
I mean, in my day, that was unheard of. The doctor I had wouldn't have heard of me taking any pharmaceuticals while I was pregnant. Yeah. But now the doctors are all in on it. You know, the doctors are all in on it. You know, they know what they're doing. And And this is what pisses me off the most. I mean, we talked about this several times, too. My boyfriend had a hernia surgery, well, that's probably two and a half years ago now. And his doctor, when we went in for his checkup, his doctor, the, the nurse or whatever, started writing on him about, did he get his food vaccine? And I got all mad, you know, because it was like I told her, you don't even know what he's here for yet, and you're pushing these flu vaccines? And so when the doctor came in, the surgeon, you know, I got on him about it too, you know, that uh, that this business of pushing these these toxic vaccines on everybody – and then I got him to admit that he knows that they're poisoning our children. And he said that he doesn't give them to his children or his wife. That uh, at the hospital where he works, they force them to get a vaccine every year. But he said that he won't let his wife or his, his children get these vaccines. He was impressed because I had told him that I had had Del Big Tree on, you know, the, one of the directors. Oh, of yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and great. so I think that's what woke him up. And then and, and he was really impressed. And then, then he admitted yeah, and this is two and a half years ago. Now he's still working at that hospital. He's a surgeon, so he's not the one shooting up those vaccines in children. But he knows it's going on, you know. Right. But how can these doctors get out of their out of the profession once they figure this out? Yeah. What they're really doing, to everybody. Yeah. No, and they're so burdened by debt and everything else. I mean, the system is so rigged. I mean, they, you know, you, you bring up the point about the doctors and, you know, we look at them graduating medical school with three, four hundred thousand dollars in debt. And Mm -hmm. so when they're, you know, starting their practices, those subsidies, these pharma subsidies toward uh, pediatricians practices are often what keep the doors open. And they don't sure. get those subsidies unless their uh, patient populations meet a uh, particular rate of vaccination, which is actually very high. Um, you right. know, they're trying to get 100% now with the law. But, um, right. you know, these, well, yeah, many get, of these they, offices they, uh, are closed. They get a lot of more money from these drug companies right off the hand when they, when they vaccinate so many of their children. Yep. I mean, like $40,000 or something like this. It's a lot. And be, besides that, the last report I wrote, well, it's been several years ago, but um, it was I was saying how all these doctors and these pharma front groups and stuff all get paid by the pharmaceutical industry to push these vaccines, you know. And at that time, I found that between 50 and 80% of pediatricians' income comes from pushing them vaccines. Yeah. So imagine if you took them away. Yes. You'd knock out, and then, they'd be down to 20% income. Yep. And, they, you know, especially now, burdened as they are with debt, yeah, they're going to make, you know, the impossible choice, unfortunately. It's, it's just like, you know, it's, there is a breaking point, certainly. Yeah. Well, um, well, and that doctor and, said and it was the same thing about pushing um, opiates on people. He said that he would like, because I told him that, that we had used turmeric, is a, a pain reliever for Bob, you know, when he came home and everything and how it worked just great. When he went back to work, he, it lasted like seven hours, one tumor pill. And he said that he really would like to do that too. But he said that the hospital forces him to prescribe opiates to the point that they even make him call up patients at home and say, do you have enough pain medicine? 
Oh my God! These hospital corporations are pushing oh this, these God. drugs on everybody. Yeah. The vaccines, the the, the opiates, all of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and this is terrible, you know. And and he was probably he probably was below thirty. And I sat there thinking, and I thought, you know, all this, but you're still working here. And then I thought, like you did, you know, that right. He's a young doctor. He's got a family. I'm sure that hospital paid him at a big amount. And then he probably bought a nice house and all this kind of stuff. So together with, with his house payments and then his, his student debt payments and everything, he's just locked into that profession, even though he knows. I mean, he admitted to me. He knows what they're doing. Uh, Our whole medical profession is is participating yes, in I mean, genocide. It, it, we are truly, the U.S. is, is this is not hyperbole. The U.S. is an organized crime syndicate masquerading as a government. I mean, this is fact. Yep, yep. Taken over between the military industrial complex and the medical uh, industrial complex. They, they own this country. They do whatever yeah. they want to us. Yep. And I don't know. It doesn't. I don't know. I get so frustrated. You usually perk me up because you usually say we're going to we're going to get this straightened around. But uh, <laughs> we man, are making great getting progress. Worse. Well, yes. Well, I mean at, that is true, and and that's what you have to expect. You know, um, as we succeed in pushing back, they're going to try pushing harder. And the good news, yeah. though, is that they only know one thing. They 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 are not creative thinkers. These are people who are trained to see the world in a, a very singular way. And so we have the advantage because we're more nimble. Just like the Houthis um, spanked Saudi Arabia in Yemen and mm-hmm. Syria fought back um, Turkey and Israel in the U.S. in their country. I mean, we we just have to be more determined, and and that's the bottom line. And we're we're getting much better at it. If you think about the community um, of people working toward this um, kind of uh, re-education of the public about what's really going on, and it, it it's definitely got traction. And it really is just a question of you know, can we? Can we out-sustain them, you know? So right. I, I didn't... You know, when we report, we report like the horrible news about from Vaccine Impact about how much money, $160 million already this year alone for vaccine injuries and death, and then that money is coming from us, the American taxpayers, and not the vaccine makers. This right. should wake people up. You know, if they well, don't care about what's happening to our kids, don't they care about their tax dollars paying these lawsuits out for the vaccine makers? Our tax is a one-wide circle. It, you know? I mean, it is a totally rigged system. You can, that that explains. I mean, you know, and then and then the we the public are also burdened with the cost of caring for the injured children who exactly. survive. Exactly, and they're saying now that it's coming up that it's going to be soon. Like one out of two kids are going to be autistic, and I'm telling you. These autistic kids to take care of them. I mean, people see see some autistic kids, but they don't see the the real terrible cases. These terrible cases where these kids 
these autistic kids don't even know their name. They never even know their name. I mean, you yeah. take them outside. If they go outside and they're going to cross into the street where cars are coming, you call them to them, hey, Tommy, Tommy, don't run in the street. They don't even recognize their name. And Trish, it was a, well, probably a month or two ago, I was watching a video and a family was describing what it's like to raise a vaccine, a, an autistic child. And now that they're older, these children are older, Trish. I had always said yeah. this bit about most people don't realize this. These, these autistic kids are never trained. So they pooped their pants their whole life, Trish. So this family yeah. was, was talking about what it's like, and they were describing a day, how their day goes when they're um, raising this autistic child. And they said their day starts in the morning when they go in the bedroom, and the, the, the vaccine child is old enough now that it knows enough, so it takes its diaper off, and it smears crap all over the place and all over itself, all over everything. And this is how every day of their life starts, getting up and having to clean this up. Now, this is, this is a, a teenager now, has grown to be a teenager. So this is what the life is for these families that have these autistic kids. You know, and most people don't talk about this, about this pooping, you know, their whole life and everything. This was one of the, one of the ways that, that I really discovered that this was an epidemic all over the states because some of the schools in these states were filing lawsuits wanting the parents to have to pay for these pampers that they had to bring, you know, that they had to use because it was costing them so much money in some of these schools with all these autistic children in diapers their whole life. You know, and I said, this, this always stood out to me. that These children were, were never trained, you know, could never be trained. So their whole life, this is what these families have to live with. This is, yeah. I mean, it, it was horrifying listening to them describe what they have to do every day of their life. Okay. And, you know, one of the, the, the people behind all of this, you know, profit, for the duration of that child's life, because they often are dependent yeah. on pharmaceuticals as well. And yeah. then you, uh, you know, for the, on the other hand, you also wind up with a population so burdened by the, by, you know, just in terms of meeting their basic needs on yeah. a day-to-day -day basis that they uh, can't fight back. I mean, they're, no, no. And these parents, you know, that now that the children are getting older, it's dangerous. These children are violent. You know, um, back when I was writing articles, I, I wrote one article on, and this um, preacher and his wife had contacted me, and, and I, I quoted what happened to them. And, you know, the pharmaceutical industry now with the, with the autistic kids, they want to keep prescribing them drugs, you know. Well, they're prescribing this kid, uh, Risperdal, this antipsychotic Risperdal, um, to this pastor's son, and he said that that child got so violent that he would chase him around the house and try to hurt him, and he said one day he, he was getting to him, so he ran out of the house and tried to run to his neighbors for help, and the child chased him down and bit off the end of his finger. Ah, oh, Jesus. Yes, and this is that's what they have to live with. But his greatest concern over the violence, you know, that was occurring not to them was that what was going to happen to them when they died? Who was going to take care of these two autistic yeah. children that they had? You know, nobody can. I mean, these families are so devastated. They can't go anyplace. They can't get a babysitter or anything. These children won't put up with any stranger being around or any change in their environment and all this stuff. Right. So, I mean, they are just stuck home. You know, and it's no more that 
two parents can work in a in a family with autistic right. kids because there's nobody that you can bring in to handle this job. Right. And so one one of them has to stay home. And more and more marriages in these autistic families break up. And I'm sure it's due to all the stress and everything of trying to raise I these can't even children. imagine. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's criminal. It is true. It, as Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said in that speech during which he got cut off, these companies are known serial felons who are yes. killing tens of thousands of people and deliberately. They yes. know what yes. they're doing. They are fully aware of what they are doing. And they continue oh, and they buy off the, you know, government officials with cushy board positions when they get caught and have to resign. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, and this is a big part of the depopulation agenda because none of these autistic children will ever have children. So if we're saying it's getting to the point one out of one out of two are going to be autistic, look at that. Cuts it in half. None of those are going to ever have children. So it's a great depopulation, you know, uh, tool, these tool. vaccines. Yeah. 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 This well, especially when you have a polio outbreak, for example, caused by the vaccines, you know, you take out a few people like that. I mean, the, it, it's if you do a little bit of research into the people who are participating in these, you know, criminal schemes, um, you'll see that. I mean, they, they have put in writing their desire to reduce the population by 6 billion people or more. And they have laid out ways in which they think they can do this. And one of which they talk about extensively is through um, pandemics and vaccines. And meanwhile, we have our own Pentagon is running a two billion dollar per year covert program in 25 nations using private contractors who you know again this is another level of risk where this stuff can get out so easily but um they're developing man-made lethal incurable pathogens now how is that making the world a safer place Exactly. This is in 25 nations. And now they've sent yeah. Ebola to Japan ahead of the J- the Japan Olympics. Oh, sure, sure. And like like Japan isn't in enough trouble with Fukushima, why they're even having those Olympics there to begin with is beyond me. Yeah. Did you, yeah. See, uh, did you see that uh, there was a typhoon or something in it, and it broke loose a bunch of the um, containers that, well, the yep. containers that they store that radioactive material in. And so that's just out in the ocean now. But it's been leaking. Fukushima's been leaking since 2011 into the ocean. Anyhow, they don't care. They haven't done anything to try to stop it. No. Oh, no. They want it. They they want mass extinction. This is yeah. a goal of these people who are in control of the pharmaceutical companies and the big oil and gas and all of our government players, these are the people running the child sex trafficking operations. Yep. In which Alan Dershowitz and Prince Andrew and Jean-Luc Brunel and Ghislaine Maxwell and Bill Gates, among yep. others, you know, were 
directly participating that we know for a fact that those operations are used to corrupt officials precisely to the end that we are discussing right now. These are mobsters. They are criminals through and through, and they are the ones who are behind all of this. Right, right, right. You see all the reports out that Epstein Gates was hanging around with Epstein all the time. Yes, going back like decades. Yes, yeah. All these are after his arrest, though. So he was still no, no, no. around with him. Did you life. see? The, I saw some going back to the 90s, Evelyn. There were all these stories. Who who did this? Someone did a video on um, all of the stories that had been erased from the European press after oh, really? Jeffrey Epstein was arrested. Yes. Wow. She, oh, Whitney Webb. Whitney Webb from Mid Press News did another story yeah. where she was like trying to find out more about Prince Andrew's ties to um, Jeffrey Epstein, and it turned out that um, you know Bill Gates was was in, at part of this whole thing going back to like the nineties, I think maybe even the eighties, possibly with Bill Gates, but that's. Sure. Um, she was able to get hard copies because all the digital versions had been erased. Wow. Yeah, I mean, but but Gates was still hanging around with him after his arrest. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, it never ends. Nope. they can't they can't let go of this. This bit with uh, Dershowitz is really turning into a joke. Really a joke. You know that he yeah. thinks he, he thinks the top the top whistleblower in this whole thing. Virginia Guffrey or Virginia Roberts Guffrey, you know, he, he thinks that all of the people that she reported and everything is she's being forced to have sex with and the other girls and stuff too. That uh, people are going to believe that oh, the one person though, there's only one person, Alan Dershowitz, she made this whole story up. Right. <laughs> just kicked to make this whole story up about Alan Dershowitz. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And one of the times Dershowitz is such a pig. Uh, one of the times that she had to have sex with him. It was to give him a blowjob on a trip out to his his uh, his uh, his home in Massachusetts with with Epstein sitting there with another underage girl watching her. That was one of the things that in this slimy Dershowitz is out here denying and saying she's a serial liar and a serial perjurer and a serial prostitute. Well, there is no prostitute when they're underage. Nope. You know that's it. And <laughs> so this other and then this other woman, this Sarah Ransom. You know, she also says that she had to have sex with him and had to have sex with uh, him and that Nadia Marston Cobra. Now, isn't that Nadia Marston Cobra, isn't that that young girl that he bought over there in Yugoslavia that he turned yes. into a pilot then? Yeah. But uh, she, she used to participate in, in orgies with these underage girls and the pigs that, uh, that Epstein went, went out to. And yeah. so it's like, you know, they think that, that people are going to believe him, this, this Dershowitz, that she would just make this up in, in this other Sarah Ransom, she just make this up about Dershowitz? Yeah. Well, I think they count on the fact that they're so old that people just couldn't visual, you know, like envision that that would be the case. And, um, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the really, really good news about this whole thing is, like, every time he opens his mouth, People, yeah. like, you, you get a whole new round of 
um, journalism on the topic as he's trying desperately to get people to stop talking about it. So, you know, he he's digging himself in deeper and deeper, and it's kind of like, you know, maybe he dies before um, all is said and done, but it, he won't well, have but if a he dies, he dies he said that his wife and his kids will be out here claiming his innocence. Right, right. In one interview, oh, he said numerous Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His wife and his kids will be out here. You know, and he tries to make it like like Virginia's lawyer, that David Boyce, this is a conspiracy really to get money out of Wexner there from Ohio. Now, does he really believe that people are going to believe that Wexner was not involved with this with Epstein? Yeah. That's really dumb of Dershowitz to bring his name into it and use it like, oh, this is a plot against Wexner, too? Wexner, who enabled, I mean, you know more about that offhand, how much he enabled Epstein. Didn't he? Oh, yeah. The one that gave Epstein the mansion? Yeah, tell about that. That mansion yeah, he gave yeah. in New York. This, it, it, was the, it is the largest personal residence in Manhattan and, and has been for many, many years. And, um, Les Wexner, just not long after meeting Jeffrey Epstein, gave him that property to use, um, you know, as a permanent residence of his own. And uh, it also turned out, yeah, why would somebody do that? And (laughs) and meanwhile, you know, it it just so happens to turn out that the house, there was a bathroom under the staircase in which there was a closet that held closed-circuit TVs that were getting feeds from all the different rooms around the house. And and their relationship lasted for decades, and then it was only recently that um, Wexner claimed that um, Epstein had uh, swindled money at $400 million from him. And it's just like, you know, even when you're a billionaire... (laughs) You notice yeah. that four hundred million goes missing. No you know? kidding, no kidding. Yeah. So, oh man. Well, uh, well, well. Do you know that they take them everywhere? There's that. Uh, oh, I won't remember his name. Uh, Sean, Sean Atwood interviews him. He's living in Ru- in Russia. He uh, was a former uh, police officer down John there. John Mark Dugan. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they looked at some of those films. You know, they got they got um, Epstein's films. Over there, yeah, and they looked at some of those films, and one of them said that that he had film, he had uh, tapes everywhere. There was even a tape of uh, um in Epstein's gym of a, a man yep. um sexually abusing a, a girl, an underage girl in the gym. He even had them set up all over every place in all of his yep. mansions. Yep, so and, and Mark Dukin, yeah, he was Go able ahead. to confirm. You know, remember Mark. Duke, this guy, John Mark Dugan, who is, has sought and received asylum in Russia, was right. a detective at the Palm Beach um, Police Department uh, and a colleague of the lead investigator on the Jeffrey Epstein case. And it was the lead investigator that gave John Mark Dugan copies of everything because he had been getting threatened and shut down repeatedly, and he knew that... Um, you know, it wouldn't be long before the case was 
scuttled. So he gave, the, John Mark Dugan had made copies of everything, but he never looked at the material. And it was only, um, so then the lead investigator turned up dead. He was in very good yep. health, according to John Mark Dugan. So, it, you know, the idea that he had was ill, he, the, the line is that he died after a brief illness. It's just like I, the guy was healthy as a horse. Um, yeah, and so he was only he like 50 years old, wasn't he? Right, right. And he worked out yeah. like he was very active and ate well, according to what um, Dugan said. But so uh, there was another journalist, I can't remember his name, had gone to Russia to meet with John Mark Dugan and interview him um, about, I don't think it, it wasn't about that content, it was, um, but it was about the case, I believe. But while mm -hmm. he was there, they decided to go ahead and choose at random um, some of these videos to confirm the content. And he said that they only watched a few seconds of each um, and and that they they chose like five or seven or something out of several hundred and they chose them at random and they said that every one of them included what appeared to be a minor girl and an adult uh, who was sexually abusing the minor girl. And they said that there was one face out of those five or so that they watched, uh, um, the adults of whom they recognized. And someone who right. was, like, not Bill Clinton prominent, but um, not a former president, but someone who was high profile. Right, right. And, and they, didn't, they didn't give the name, did Pardon? They didn't give the name, though, right? No, they did not. No, no. Well, it's good news that they, that that lawsuit uh, expanded to include Gisley uh, Maxwell Lane. and these other frauds that participated in this stuff. But of course, you know how can we find Gisley Maxwell? Latest reports: John Atwood says she's down in Brazil. Same with yeah, uh, that I saw Mark Burnell and, and Maxwell are down there together. Yeah, I saw that confirmed by someone else um, because they could have been using like a VPN and. Uh, just made it appear that they were calling from they were um, online from Brazil, but uh, there was another confirmation of that somewhere that I saw. And then the other thing is that Brazil does not have an extradition treaty with the U.S. And remember, there was a Zionist coup in Brazil. Bolsonaro is in the pocket of oh, really? um, Netanyahu. Oh yeah, he got baptized oh. on the day that. Um, Lula was framed in order to get him out of the presidential race, and that's how Bolsonaro won. And his both his sons have been pictured with Mossad T-shirts on. They're they're raging Zionists there. So of right. course the, they would Brazil would be make a lot of sense for them to be there. Sir Maxwell and no both Mossad on both Mossad agents. Yes. Yeah. So this, we're running this whole thing, and this, this is global. You know, and why, you know, Clinton's name don't come up more is beyond me. You know, I mean, yeah. Clinton riding on that, that jet 26 times and Hillary three times. I mean, how the hell do they stay out of this? How the hell do they? Ugh. Yeah. Well, hopefully stuff. that's changing. 
There was, yeah. did you see in, um, you know, I, and I'm, I, I'm hopeful that it is. There was one uh, example that really made me smile. I saw a woman, um, there was a, there was this formal meeting between Mike Pompeo and a foreign leader. I'm not sure where they were, but it was a big um, press uh, press sort of um, appearance, and there were lots of journalists. And a journalist who speaks Italian walked up to Mike Pompeo, and someone translated what she was saying, which was she was handed him a bag of dog food. And he, she was speaking in Italian, so he probably had no idea what she was saying, but she was saying, please eat from this bag um, three times a day so maybe you'll become as loyal as a dog because you're, nothing, you're not even as um, good as a dog right now. And she said this in front of all of this press, and he had no idea what she was saying. And he's got this big grin, and he's holding the bag, no idea what she's saying to him. <laughs> she totally humiliated him. And it was just magnificent. These people should not be allowed to walk in public without being called out for exactly what they are. And they are, they are psychopaths, they are criminals, they're murderers, and they belong in prison at best. Yes, yes. Well, well time's up already, Trish. It was, great, it was great talking to you, Evelyn. Always okay. Well, thanks for tuning in, people. We will see you next week. Have a good week.